0: Speaking with me today is Robbie King, who studied mathematics for his undergraduate degree at Cambridge. He is now going on to do a PhD in quantum mechanics at Caltech. Robbie, with his scientific background, is fascinated by religion, and so he is the perfect guest with whom to discuss religion, science and their relationship. Can they be friends or are they irreconcilable? What are the points of tension or are there actually none? Are you able to kind of explain whether you think that religion and science, they you can only have one or the other. You can't have both together. You can't be religious and believe in science. You can't be a scientist but have a religion.
1: I've been thinking about that recently, and I would actually say that it is impossible to be both religious and scientist in the strong sense of religious, which uh, we could talk about what it means to be sort of like... Um, semi-religious, but I think if, if your fundamental ideology is that the world is created by God and that God controls everything and that, like, um, that is sort of the explanatory, that is the person um, from which everything descends, then I think that does uh, quite violently contradict um, the sort of starting point of, of science.
0: Interesting. So I think that the main way that you can really unpack that and Because obviously from my opinion i do think that over time i think there's been a shift and i think that rather than being enemies i think that religion and science can actually be friends and i think that science actually can back up religion in many ways or religion can extrapolate from science in order to understand their own convictions and read the bible or whatever scripture you're using in a different way and use that to unpack what they had previously thought because i think that it's very fluid belief and i think that with more findings and potentially religious people can say that god or whatever you believe in has enabled us to use science in order to unpack their own beliefs
1: yeah and that's why i was so excited for this conversation is because i think you you're um i'm interested to see what you think about this and uh um yeah because you you probably have a quite a nuanced view on religion i'm not a particular expert on religion i would say that i'm more of like a scientific person so i'd be very interested to see like how you think they're compatible in what sense um yeah. so yeah that's why i'm excited to unpack that
0: yeah because i think that it's interesting that you're, you are so interested in religion like looking at your background i think it's really fascinating and i think that there are key areas that traditionally people have like pinpointed they'll pinpoint a topic in science and say because of this you cannot have a religion or have these beliefs. And Mm -hmm. I think that obviously there are so many. And the first one that comes to my mind is evolution. Mm Yeah, that's a big one. That is a big one. Just for so many reasons, people have used that as a reason why religion, cancel it out. Like you can't have these beliefs, Mm -hmm. particularly looking at the creation story, how it was kind of explained that there was a God who created out of nothing and they just made each individual species um, straight away there's no adaptation through life there's no changing or variety there's a human there's a dog there's a lion straight at the beginning of creation and i imagine that you think that the creation story and everything in that genesis section would be an issue
1: yeah well i mean i think if you're the type of religious person who will take creation stories literally I, i don't think that's yeah so if you think that evolution and can inform sort of interpretations of religion in a sort of uh, modern sense, then I'd be interested to hear those.
0: Well, modern Christians, I think they definitely wouldn't hold that as a literal view. I think that uh, many see it as being a kind of metaphor for what reality is. And I think that one of the main things that they look at is the fact that, well, what if they know that evolution works by adapting based on your environment, based on what's around you, survival of the fittest, and adaptation takes place really, really slowly. And so the idea I think that many Christians have now is that they believe that you have ideas of individuals in the mind of God, and God knew which modes his essence would be able to take. Um, and in that way, his likeness is being transposed into these individuals because God knew exactly in which way. So it would be this this Robbie, this particular Robbie is able to exist. This particular dog um, is able to exist and they, he, God will think about these individuals in his own mind. And so their existence already is taking place in the ideas of God. Um, and so in that sense, you can still have a divine likeness in creatures because even though they've gradually formed throughout the beginning of time, um, they are still like God. They still reflect God. Um, And so I think that in that sense, evolution wouldn't be too much of a problem for Christians today.
1: Okay. So um, if I were to offer like an argument that potentially evolution does contradict more fundamentally religion, not just the literal creation stories, but sort of the, the uh, more conceptual uh, versions, um, it would be the following. So the, the way that I think about evolution is that, um, so it, it's it's not surprising, first of all, that before evolution, men, like lots of people were religious, most people for thousands of years before that. And mm-hmm. the reason that's not surprising is because we look at the world and we see lots of purpose in the world. So we see like incredible design in life and we see... And we see genuine purpose and not just purpose that like we've made up for example like a leaf on a tree has the purpose of catching sunlight to create food for the tree so we see purpose all around us and that's not in any light sense that's in the hard sense of whatever purpose can mean is there and i think Mm -hmm. we can all agree that and so it's not surprising that people attributed that to a designer to an intelligent person from which the purpose descends and it is sort of the reasons for things to be must be a reason to somebody and that somebody people said was god and i think that the the revolution that evolution provoked was to say that you can have purpose without a designer so that's that's the sense that's the way that i look at evolution and which is which is actually worth thinking about more because it's not obvious because everyone can agree that the end product, life, life as we see it, is incredible. It's, it's like the, the end product is amazing and beautiful, etc. But so it's, it's, it's very sort of surprising to learn about evolution and to learn about how a process which is completely mindless, foresightless, purposelessness, yeah. um, and doesn't have any plan in mind, because you say it's random. Yeah, it's completely random. Things are just doing their own thing. And from that, purpose can emerge, which is... And I think that's actually still a problem today that philosophers work on, is how can purpose emerge from completely random, purposeless
0: mechanisms? You can have a purpose, but you can... Surely you would say that potentially creation has the freedom to go against that purpose. So even if there is an innate purpose that each thing has we've been given the ability to go against that. So yes, it is random, or maybe not. Maybe it appears random to us, but actually isn't. These mutations potentially aren't random at all. Mm. But also, what if it's just the case that we have been given the ability? Yes, it, hierarchically, overarchingly, there is a purpose, but we've just gone against it, and we've got the ability to do so.
1: Uh, we as in humans? or we Just as creation
0: in- as a whole. These animals they've been given the ability to go against whatever their purpose was and yes maybe that would be seen as like objectively bad that they're going against this purpose like this rabbit isn't being very rabbity this dog's not being very doggy but that's fine we've been given the ability for animals and species to go against what their intention was
1: okay and and would you say that purpose that that ability is 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 given by god or is that is that the idea or
0: I think an argument could be that God would be very hands-off. And I mean, I think that that's what some Christians would say. They would say that God isn't a God that intervenes too much and that he's let life have its own trajectory.
1: Hmm. I, I guess evolution is like the first step along the philosophical road to explaining things which will will very much convince a naive person that god exists to explaining how they can arise without without any designer or god at all. And so I think what you're saying is some sort of like pseudo uh state where like the process is random and fixed and sort of like uh running its course but like there is some sort of designer like overseeing it etc. but I think um I believe that it's possible to I don't think we've done it yet, but I think it's possible to eventually have an understanding of this stuff where you can actually see how everything emerges from completely the ground up. And so I'll give you an example. Another th- another thing sort of similar to purpose is sort of reasons, right? So there are reasons why things are the way they are, but do they have to be the reasons to somebody? And and that's that, that's a very natural thing to believe that if you see a reason, there's a reason why this is happening or... Whatever, then you say that has to be a reason to somebody's mind, right? And and then that the mind of that they're talking about is, is God, but I think that evolution, what, what it shows is it goes part of the way to showing that you can have a reason without it being a reason to somebody. It can just be a free-floating. I think Daniel Dennett talks about free-floating rationales. You can just have a reason um, emerge from complete random processes
0: yeah maybe but i think that potentially there's the ability and the space to have that within the world and within creation from a religious point of view like i'm sure that there are they don't attribute believers wouldn't attribute every single thing to a god like for example they wouldn't attribute evil to god i mean some some believers might say that a if there's an earthquake if there's a tsunami if like diseases oh maybe it's a test maybe god's done this to make us have strength to test our faith but i think most would say actually evil things and sad things aren't made by god aren't planned by god and so in that sense i think that it shows that believers don't necessarily have to think that everything has a reason and everything has a purpose yeah
1: well this is getting into the problem of evil right so i was gonna mention on the topic of evolution that i think that um yeah we can talk about evolution in the light of creationism and the fact that God is a creator and designer and his will is being enacted in life on earth. Um, I think evolution also uh, can be, can shed light on religion in a different way via the concept of evolution within concepts of, uh, within sort of memes. So this was a concept um, coined by Richard Dawkins in one of his books, where he argues that um, when humans became intelligent enough to have imagination and have culture and ideas, that it set up a new type of evolution, which is not genetic, which is the, the main kind of genes mutating and, and uh, sort of dictating how life uh, exists. But there is a new t- kind of evolution which propagates from human mind to human mind being passed down, from humans, through culture, through teaching your kids stuff.
0: And it propagates and, itself, doesn't it? Like yeah, it's just, it's free flowing. It's exactly. just, and you can't you can, stop
1: it. And you can recognize these ideas which get passed down through generations. And there, there's a kind of evolutionary process of, of these ideas. And I think that, I, I would hope that Dawkins would agree with me that religion is a great example of, of a meme in the sense that it is a, it's an idea which is very, convincing and replicatable and so has evolved in the space of human imagination. And by the way, that's not to say that it's not real. And I think that is a common thing which people claim is that, well, if something's just in the human imagination, then it's not real. But that that's, I mean, that that doesn't need to be true. For example, everyone would agree that money is real, but money is just in in the human mind. So um, this is not construed as an argument that religion is not real, but I think it could shed light on its nature. And why it exists
0: i think that you can say that the reason potentially that it propagates so much surely you can say that it's because it is so convincing and there must mm-hmm. be a reason for why it's so convincing and yeah. surely then that would be
1: if and that anything, should be taken seriously supporting. That should not be yeah
0: yeah um and it's interesting i think that you could also argue that maybe atheism can also be regarded as a meme um,
1: i i definitely agree with that and i think that um yeah, and I think this, this goes on to a different topic of sort of the place in which uh, if you're arguing about science versus religion, I, I don't think... So, to go back to the original point, the, the, the original question of um, do I think science and religion are compatible? To say a bit about that, um, people th- would say that they're not compatible because they disagree on facts, right? they disagree on creation versus evolution, but I would actually claim that they disagree much before you start talking about facts. Because I think that to to talk about facts, you need to start with one of them. You need to have an ideology, and then there are facts of the world which are true to you. If you're a religious person, the facts of the world are different to if you're a scientific person. So I don't think talking about facts is actually relevant to the discussion of science versus religion. I think it's much um, better to think um, much earlier on, there is a complete um, conflict of ideology there
0: but I don't think that there is a conflict there. I think that most religious people would believe in the scientific findings. And I think that potentially all of these scientific laws and scientific processes, God knows them all, aware of them, and they're there for us to discover. And they're true.
1: So uh, your ideology, I think, I'm hoping that I'm using the word ideology in the, in the right way. But I think it, it's something like, it's the thing at the end, the end of the chain when you keep asking why, you're like, why is this the case? Why, 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 why? And the thing at the back is your ideology. And that's, and, and everyone needs that. You can't. And um. It, so if you define religion as ideology, then everybody's religious, even a scientist and their religion is, is the religion of science. Mm. And so the ideology of a religious person might be like, because God made it that way or God wanted that, wanted it that way. And perhaps the equivalent slogan for uh, an atheist would be something like, the universe operates through a regular set of patterns and we can observe those patterns and understand the world by um,
0: by observation. And why Some can't you slogan. believe that, but then also think, but there is a hands-off God who also see, oversees all of this but doesn't get in the way of these processes, but you can communicate with him, he loves you, you can pray to him and he exists, but there are still all these like scientific processes out there that are just as real.
1: We, we see the world through a lens, and that lens is our ideology. And that ideology might be religious for a religious person, or it might be scientific for a scientific person. And I think that is the level at which these things differ. And so then, to argue which is which is better, I don't know if people would want to argue such a thing, but if they did then I don't think you can talk about which one is more true because that because truth I think is a really um, sort of nebulous concept that you can only talk about within a framework. So I think the only way that you can actually evaluate science versus religion in, in sort of a which is better sense is to look at which is which helps humans operate in the world in a better way to a greater extent. And I think that that, that largely um, for the past millennia has been religion, quite convincingly. Like if, if you go back to 10,000 years, 10,000 years ago, it was much more useful for a human to have a religious ideology and to believe in God. And he would live a much better life and a much more successful life doing so than believing in science because there, were, there really was no science. So the question is these days is that is there a shift towards the scientific view of the world being more useful to us and allowing us to, to be more successful and, and better and live better lives than the religious viewpoint and that, that I think is is the start of the, the interesting debate.
0: But I just don't think that you' you need to ask which is better because they're completely two different things.
1: yeah that, that's another that's another. Um, like one
0: is something similar. that's like supernatural and one is here concerned with the life here and the backgrounds of the nature of the world but i don't i don't think that necessarily one needs to be better than the other i think they're just completely Mm -hmm. different and science is enveloped within Mm -hmm. a world that can be religious Mm -hmm. um and i think that most religious people would hold on to religion as something that is completely of a completely different scope to science in in its totality and science is just something that's within god's world and within a religious world
1: right okay so uh, another thing that i hear people say is that um yeah and, and this is actually a topic which um this is something which angers me when atheists accuse um religion of uh for example i i watched like a debate by uh Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens, and uh, Daniel Dennett. I was watching this debate and they were talking about what is what is wrong with religion and why, why we should get rid of it, basically. And I, I disagreed with a lot of what they said, because I, I thought they were attacking the wrong part of religion. They were attacking the part of religion, which I think is actually on the decline, and I would argue rightly so, of interpreting the Bible as a sort of empirical fact, which I think is less and less the case with modern believers. I would mm-hmm. say modern Christians have a more nuanced view of religion. And I would say there is still uh, there is still lessons from religion which are important to take seriously. And there is wisdom whose most efficient encoding is in religious stories, which are passed down. Um, and, and that's an effective way mm-hmm. to teach people Values which we've learnt are good. So
0: you're referring to parables, and
1: yes, that. I'm referring to parables exactly. Okay. And and so like Adam and Eve, not taking it literally, but no. there are, there are still there meaning, still meanings and still lessons. And it is an effective way of distributing. Going back to the memes idea, right? These these ideas are very old. They've developed over thousands of years, and they've been passed down through an effective means of religion through teaching stories. we were talking about original sin mm-hmm. and evolution. And I think that's a good example.
0: So I think that people who are religious often take the Bible or whatever scripture, whatever religion we're talking about, to be some kind of metaphor. And I think that when we talk about original sin, people who are scientific or who are really against religion or and specifically perhaps Christianity, they'd say that look at this Adam and Eve story can we know that first of all, Adam and Eve didn't even exist. Humans weren't even alive back then look at how they've evolved and there's no such concept as original sin they never took the fruit from the tree and there is no such thing but then if we actually look at the intricacies of science and life today you can i think that maybe people who are religious can point to the fact that we do have this innate propensity to sin because we need to become selfish we need to be selfish in order to perpetuate our own dna to to survive and we have that instinct within us to live on and to have offspring and with survival of the fittest and i think that all species have that selfishness but then again if we look at things like epigenetics and the fact that you're able to respond to kind of environmental factors and you have that ability to be altruistic we have the freedom to go against that sinful nature and many people do and i think that because of that we can also show that there is some kind of idea of redemption in that and you can still have that opportunity to live good and i think that science provides a way forward for that and i think that things like epigenetics which we're discovering point in that direction as well so i think that people who are religious can actually see some form of truth in everyday life that the Bible kind of points to, or that scripture points to, if we're talking about wider religions?
1: I think there are many examples of, of that in religion, where we don't yet understand scientifically the lessons, but there are still relevant meta-truths there. And I think that uh, atheists should take that more seriously, is what I'm saying.
0: Mm. Lots of interesting ideas there.
1: I would say that there are relevant lessons that we that, that mean that religion is worth studying, I don't think that entails that we need to be religious ourselves. I think that we can learn lessons from Christianity, from like Islam and all, all these religions, which is, have been so successful for millennia. And there's a reason they've been successful, right? That there's there's um, other parables or other sets of teachings which which died out the world but i don't uh, think that's the the
0: main reason that people are religious just hearing these parables and thinking oh they're quite handy to live by i think that most if you speak to a religious person i think that most living
1: hearing the parables is not the reason or it is i don't
0: think so no okay i don't think that's the reason why people are religious i think that people are religious because they'll say i had an overwhelming sense of a god and Mm -hmm. they came into my life and i feel i know that it might be a stretch for you but i think that it can be something that feels just so rational to me and i have that i've either had an experience where i feel like it just makes so much sense and i think that people it's not the parables that people cling on to or even the bible as such i think that people genuinely in their day-to-day lives feel this overpowering sense of something else out there Mm -hmm. going on to more is science a difficult thing for religious people to follow and to support i think that often another topic people use is technology and the idea that people might point to technology and say well in the bible or the idea of christians to use them as an example again is that you need to be a good steward you need to look after the world around you technology doesn't do that in many cases now we've got to the point where we're destroying the environment for the sake of technology and also i think that religion would struggle with the fact that we're now using technology and inventing just for the sake of it. We're just going forward and forward and forward just to see how far ingenuity will stretch. And we are just propelling ourselves to constantly make new things, to create new powerful, even like weapons, just for the sake of it, just to see how far we can go. And I think that not only we do, we've lost question of why, and religious people would want to put that why back into a god or a religious way of thinking um, to do good... And we've just lost that idea and we're just constantly going without even questioning the purpose. And as a scientist, you might think, well, I just want to keep going. I just want to see how far we can go without questioning why, what our true purpose of this is, whether we're doing it for a good or a specific reason that's of any value. And I think that also we're putting often people who are really going into technology and support technology... Are often so if we look at people who are putting all their hope into technology they're so optimistic about what it can bring for us they think that we can upload our minds eventually these transhumanists, we can upload our minds and live on forever using technology and although that in my opinion can even be a religion in itself the traditional religions and their worldviews would say that we're putting so much hope into technology rather than in a god and we've lost sight of what they think of as an afterlife and or what they see as as our salvation and we're putting that into technology which isn't so good so i think that that is one topic area that potentially people can look at and say religion and science like they just can't work
1: yeah so that's really interesting a lot of things popped into my mind just then actually um the first thing is uh have you read the book by that um israeli historian sapiens i think oh yeah Exactly. And I think uh, I remember reading a few years ago and a a point he makes is is very similar to the one one that you're making, which is that, um, I mean, he he said it in quite like a a visceral way, but he said that what's happening in the last century with technology is that we're sort of becoming the gods that we once worshipped to. Mm -hmm. So before we attributed things like earthquakes and uh, life and lots of stuff like that to to god and then currently we are being the creators now exactly so like when there's an earthquake and people die we don't think oh god caused the earthquake we think oh why didn't we make safer buildings to yeah to so they wouldn't fall over and then it's the same with like uh, i think like genetic modification is a big one as well that's definitely we're gaining the powers that we once attributed to god and and therefore god is becoming less and less in the picture and we are sort of yeah so that that reminded me of that
0: yeah i mean i think that religious people and believers would say that god gave us the power to use our ingenuity jesus himself was a craftsman he was a carpenter and we are meant to use our innate capabilities and our innate genius to make things into to manipulate our environment but i think that the main point is why like what is the point of it mm. like we need to we can't lose sight of that yeah.
1: okay so i think there are two ways to look at this the first way goes back to our discussion of ideology earlier um so you can imagine perhaps two planets two different versions of of human civilization one of whom uh stay religious for eternity and they sort of just like teach their religion and then live their lives and um maybe there are issues maybe there aren't maybe they they don't develop technology which would be beneficial like and then civilization b who uh Sort of discover science and start developing all this technology, and as you were saying, get super carried away and just start to um, create technology, and and that is the new um, goal. And I think that that's another way that you can sort of evaluate science against religion is you can argue about which of those is a better eventuality for the human race, and and I think that that's also then the fallacy of arguing about which is which is better because uh, on the basis of which is more effective. Yeah, right? and effective in what metric and effective in the metric of uh achieving technologies and uh achieving progress in the scientific sense that's already in the scientific ideology that you're evaluating these two things so i don't think you can do that because if you're evaluating these two things in the religious ideology that would be a very different story where um we would evaluate technologies based on an interpretation of the bible for example so i think the only possible way to make this sort of distinction is to not talk about what's more effective or facts or anything like that is to say like which ends up with a more prosperous more happy human civilization and I think that's a great question and I don't know the answer to that Um, Mm. but another way of looking at it I think is to an extent we have a a big illusion that we're sort of in control of our fate but really we're not in the sense that we are um, going back to evolution just enacting um, a random process, whether we think we're in control of our actions or not, uh, like things are just going to happen. And these means are just going to take over civilizations or not. And they're going to die and prosper respectively. And I, I guess what I'm saying is um, it's almost like the techno- technological advance of the future centuries. We can debate about it, but it might happen whether or not we decide it's good. Like it might just be, what's going to happen and yeah. there might not be any, anything anybody can do about it
0: i think we're getting to that point now i think that we're at we're working at such a speed and we're propelling ourselves so much without even thinking and i know this probably isn't your idea of of what you're trying to say but i do agree that we are just gonna keep on going and it's not up, it's not even gonna be up to us soon because we're just working kind of numbly like we're not even using our minds and we're mm-hmm. making and when we're doing things anymore we're just acting as if we're robots and we're just doing it for the sake of it and I know that you I don't know your opinion but I feel like you would say that it is amazing just to stretch our minds and see how far we can go and just continue on this treadmill of just churning things out for the sake well of it. okay
1: so if I look at my particular career choice and my my what I think I'm going to do with my future um I, I hope to be one of the people who is going to sort of um pioneer t- new technology eventually yeah. and I would like to think that I will carry forward a sort of uh big picture view of like is the thing that i'm doing good for mankind or, or bad and i will try to think about that but often i come to the conclusion that it's almost too difficult as, a, as an individual like it's a much easier goal to have in a human life to say i want to solve this problem like for example i want to i want to make burgers in a lab so that it's more efficient and we don't need to kill cows to make burgers right that that's my goal and not think too hard about if that's good or bad or under what ideology is that good or bad but just to solve the problem because that that's sort of the only thing we can do if you give yourself as an individual the problem of have the best impact on the future of mankind i think that is almost paralyzingly difficult
0: Mm.
1: as, as, as a as a individual working in technology
0: interesting so you think that it'd be good if you were helping but you shouldn't look into it too much
1: I think I think it's it's almost an impossibly difficult task to predict what the effect of your work will be and I think that the only option is to um
0: yeah it's so hard when you make it to be
1: aware of it but also just to focus on on like on what you're trying to achieve in, yeah in a sort, you sort can't of know
0: future. its impact I mean you've probably seen that episode in the big bang theory where they make that guide a system and they think it's all going to be yeah, exactly. so helpful but then the military take it over and are going to use it in war and exactly. obviously that can happen but is I think that just all you can do is think what so like objectively like what am I making am I making something that is for a good purpose and that's all you can do you can't look too much into whose hands can it get in but is it what's my purpose like why am I making this and what's it for and that's all you can do. And I think that if we think about technology in that sense, and I think religion can be fully on board with technology. Like mm-hmm. looking back, like the first wooden clocks in Europe were made by monks in order to keep um, time for prayers during the night, and the cathedrals were built by religious people because they needed to show use their handiwork for the sake of God. And people think that it like we're here to make things but I think that we just can't lose sight from a religious person's perspective I'd say that they would just argue that we need to always have at the forefront of our mind what we're doing and why your view on how much freedom we have from a scientific perspective
1: yeah okay so this is the topic of free will which um I've been interested in for a long time in a nutshell my view is that we do have free will in a weak sense not in the in the strongest sense but there is nothing supernatural there's no soul and there's nothing sort of where free will comes from but i think it's a, it's an emergent phenomenon is is the word i would use and i can explain that if, if uh so yeah the, the fundamental conflict is between our feeling that we the feeling we could do differently right the feeling i could order a, a steak or a like burger um and i could have ordered the other thing right and and we have that feeling and the conflict is between that and something that physicists, physicists would call determinism. Determinism being the idea that the universe operates through the laws of physics, which determine the evolution of the matter in the universe given the present state. So the particles will just bounce off each other and do what they're going to do. The chemical reactions will, in your brain, et cetera, uh, are determined by the laws of physics. So there is no choice. Mm-hmm. And that is the sort of free will conflict. A religious person might say that God gives us a soul, which exists in a sort of separate realm, and that is responsible for who we are and what we desire and our decisions in life. And that sort of communicates through our brains into the real world to affect our decisions. Now, I believe that free will in that sense is it's false. Uh, because I'm a scientist, because I believe that there is no... I believe that if that was true, it would entail the laws of physics ceasing to apply in some setting. So say the laws of physics say that I should order they take that they given my current state, I'm gonna order the Pokeball, but my soul wants the tofu curry. So it intervenes and affects some chemical reaction in the brain which should have happened this way according to the laws of physics, but actually the soul causes it to go this way and then you order the, the tofu curry. So that would involve the laws of physics being broken by a soul or by um, whatever power Mm -hmm. of free will God gives us, Mm -hmm. and I, I think that that is false because there is no evidence for that, and there is, and that doesn't, as a scientist, that doesn't fit into the sort of fundamental starting point that the universe operates through regular patterns which are never broken. But nevertheless, I do think that there is room for a belief in a certain weaker kind of free will. Um, and to, to describe what I mean by that, so people want to be genuinely free, as in nobody apart from God knows what they were going to do, right? If you, if you put into a computer your exact state, it wouldn't be able to predict what you're going to do. Only, only you know that, or only your soul knows that. So what about a weaker version where it's practically impossible to predict what you're going to do and that would be equivalent day to day as as a concept people would still it would be uh, like the the thing that people are worried about is something like choose the red card or the blue card Mm -hmm. right and then you choose one and then there's an envelope on the experimenters table and you open the envelope and it's like the same color card in the envelope right so people don't want that people don't want to the experimenter to be able to like predict with certainty what they were going to do. Mm. But so, so that, that is completely satisfied by the weaker version of free will where it's practically impossible for a computer to, or a system to work out what you're going to do, which I, I think is true. For example, if you look at computer science and complexity theory, which is actually the something that I'm going to study, hopefully in my, in my PhD, you learn about, sort of computational irreducibility so it might be the case that what is happening in your brain is so chaotic and so computationally irreducible that or the only way to possibly work out what you're going to do is to just run your brain itself and see what you're going to do no computers can sort of shortcut it say you're a computer is trying to work out tomorrow what shirt you're going to wear it can't shortcut it and be like, this is the shirt he's going to wear. The only the best it can do is just to wait and see what you're going to do. So that is the sort of free will, which I do, I believe, which I think people should learn to be happy with. Yeah. Because that does the same job. Like you're never going to have the situation where the experimenter knows what card you've chosen. And the place that that, I, I mentioned emerg- the, the word emergent. An emergent phenomenon to physicists is something which appears on the big, when you look at the big scale, but doesn't exist at the small scale. So for example, you can think of water boiling or, or water just being in liquid or gas, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to look at a single water molecule and to say that that is in a liquid state or a gas state. But on a big scale, when you have a macroscopic number of molecules, you see this phase transition from water to gas and they look very different. So that, the, the phase transition of like becoming gas from liquid at a certain temperature, is an emergent phenomenon which isn't described at the fundamental level. And I believe that that that's the same sort of thing that's happening with free will. So you can look at the individual neurons in the brain and the chemical reactions going on, and you can locally and at the microscopic level see exactly what's going on, right? This chemical is going to come and react this way, and this neuron is going to fire to this one over here, right? But on the emergence level of the whole brain, you get this emergent phenomenon of free will and also consciousness, I believe, is, is, is exactly the same. The free will and consciousness, they're not fundamental, but but that's not to say they're not real, right? Because you would say that water boiling is, is extremely real, even though there's no place for it in, at the fundamental level. Free will is extremely real because all around us, you see humans making decisions and yeah. we can't predict what they're going to do. So the best we can do is to assume that they're free.
0: From a religious point of view, I think that the idea of the soul as a immaterial, like a dualistic understanding, that just completely flies in the face of science. And we can't, I don't think that any religious believer can now say that we've got an immaterial thinking mind that resides like as a tenant within the human body, but is distinct from it, or that it's unconnected to materiality. I think that from the fact that you can see how your personality and your mind and everything about you changes if like you have a lesion on the brain that shows that in some way if we do have a soul it is connected to the material and there cannot be this dualistic understanding anymore
1: okay so you say connected do, would you say that the majority of christian modern christians would believe in any sort of immaterial soul or would they say there is would they be materialists in the uh...
0: I materialist definitely not in the hard sense i think all i can do is is speak from like i don't want to i think that i in my opinion looking at science i think that a modern day christian or religious believer would have to say that the soul is in some way tied to the material and does not exist as an immaterial substance at all anymore we have to just admit that consciousness the mind the soul is linked and connected to the material. But what I would say that they really wouldn't agree with is the fact that we can completely reduce the soul to the material. So, for example, it's not synonymous with the material, simply from the fact that if we look at, as an example, sodium and chlorine, they're not looking at them in, in their differences. You, They're not salty, but sodium chloride is. That you can't reduce.
1: This is exactly the emergent phenomenon yeah i think i think that's the right word to use for this i think the soul the soul in whatever materialistic sense that a a modern christian would believe it'd be i'd say it's emergent right it's emergent from the material but it's not uh, you can't come it's sort of like the sum of the parts is is
0: is exactly that different
1: in character to the, the parts
0: yeah exactly and so like another example would be a note of like a beethoven symphony you can't say that all these vibrations when you look at the vibrations that make up A Beethoven symphony. You can't say that that is what it is when they're all together. Like a single note is so different to when that note's next to others in harmony, in sequence. And I think that that's what my—that's a great
1: example as well. That's a great example. And
0: that's what I think that you have as the idea of the soul nowadays. And. It's just, and even, I think that even we've known now in neuroscience that the body is such an integral part of the mind. Like you can't, your body is used as a way of thinking. Like you, it's been, and it's called embodied cognition. You can't, even when you say metaphorically that you get a kick out of something, when you say that, even the brain that's associated with the physical act of kicking, that fires up. When you say, I'm gonna Move around this obstacle in my plan. You literally do think about swerving an obstacle. Mm. Like our whole way of thinking is about our body, and so for me, what I would say, the soul now is in contemporary life that fits in with science is that idea of hylomorphism emergence, that whole the whole form of you, not just your brain but your body, and all of it but working then, I as mean- a whole.
1: So then do you mind if I ask in what sense is it God given if, if, if those if if the soul you're attaching to these emergent human behaviors, but also you're saying is still the thing which is like in written in the Bible about like God giving it to us and like breathing life into us and
0: again going back to my divine ideas, God knew exactly the type of being that you could become. So God would have known that you would be able to have this form. And this form was in his mind. In his ideas, and that in that sense, it's God given and it comes from God, and we have that likeness from God. But in terms of the afterlife, I think that is something that I would just have to speak to more believers about. And I don't know whether I think that that's where we get to the point where it's like religion and god is so other and so you can't like the whole point of religion and a god is that you can't grasp it you can never understand it and faith comes in there and we've been told that in some form an afterlife exists but i do think that it'd be interesting to hear about what other people think and their own views on the afterlife and what a soul is point is i think you can still have an idea of a soul in harmony with science but in a very different way to perhaps people initially think that it would be
1: yeah, exactly. And that that's the answer to a lot of uh, problems like this. It's like, we have free will, but not in the way you think. And we have consciousness, but it's not what you think it is. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I loved uh, the discussion.